and Clay for getting those um, things ready for us today. What a blessing. You know, we met here yesterday, there was a couple of us gathered together, and we were making arrangements and getting ready to expand our nursery. Not only do we have little ones that have just come, I know the Waldrop family was blessed with a little one this week, we've got others that are expecting, and um, you know, we need a little more room in there, which is a blessing for a church. Um, somebody, I forget when it was, a couple of weeks ago, somebody had mentioned something about the running and the screaming and the, the noise that kids make, and, and that being the life of the church, how awesome that is. So we want to appreciate every, every life. And today, it's just a, a special day for us to think about that. Um, so the message doesn't uh, go along with that theme, but we do have to think about our life. What it is that we what we do with our life and how that honors God. So take your Bible and turn with me to, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, in our study through the book of John, we've gotten to this passage of Scripture. begins in verse 9 of chapter 12, and we'll go through verse 31. And we, were, we are getting really close now to the... Um, Arrest, beating, crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. You know, reading ahead and studying ahead. When we get to, um, when we get to chapter 13, uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, basically have to do with right around the time of the Lord's Supper, when the Lord's Supper was instituted, Jesus is preaching and teaching and all those parables that He told. And then when we get to verse 18, we get to Jesus, uh, chapter 18, Jesus' arrest. So the, the time frame that we're talking about here between what we read today and the time of His arrest is only four days. Five, four days, cause, uh, or five, yeah. Forget I mentioned that. Anyway, it's a short period of time. That's what I was trying to say. But all of these chapters have so much teaching and preaching that Jesus did that it's recorded for us so that we can uh, follow Him and seek to live the way that He wants us to live. He shows us exactly what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So starting in this passage of Scripture this morning, in John chapter 12, verse 9, we're going to begin reading, and we're going to be looking at the triumph, the glory, and the judgment. The triumph, the glory, and the judgment. These three episodes that happened here in this passage of Scripture, we're going to look at three things. His triumphal entry, His speech or His announcement about glory, and His pronouncement of judgment. So let's begin reading in verse 9 together. Now a great many of the Jews knew that He was there, and they came. Not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom He had raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, 
Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him and that they had done these things to Him. Therefore the people who were with Him when He called Lazarus out of His tomb and raised Him from the dead bore witness. For this reason the people also met Him, because they heard that He had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after Him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it, and will glorify it again. Therefore the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. God, you are so wonderful to us, and we thank you for every blessing that you give us. Undeserving, Father, unworthy in any capacity, in any stretch of the imagination, but still loved by you and blessed by you. Thank you for that. Fathers, we gather this morning as we study your word, as we seek to be pleasing in your sight. Help us to understand what we must do to be pleasing in your sight. You tell us very clearly, Lord Jesus, that if we love you, we will follow you. And Lord, help us to understand what that means. Because it's probably not what we think right now. You want us to be completely obedient, perfect, holy in all of our ways. And we can't do that without you, without your guiding Holy Spirit. So Father, this morning, teach us, help us, uh, receive our our worship and our praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So triumph, glory, and judgment. Jesus, as He 
enters into Jerusalem has these things to say. So we want to look at these three things this morning, triumph, glory, and judgment. And we begin in verses 9 through 19 where Jesus is actually entering into Jerusalem. So the first thing that we're going to look at is His entry into Jerusalem. And let's, let's start by looking at uh, verse 13. They took branches, all those that, were, that came out, the great multitude, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So we've got, to, we've got to get to that point right there. These folks had already heard about Jesus. They have probably seen some of his miracles because he did it openly. He went around preaching and teaching all over Jerusalem and Judea. A lot of the Samaritan places also. But here is Jesus now coming to the feast of the Passover. And he's entering into Jerusalem, and all those folks that are there, they hear about him coming, and they're anticipating great things because of what they have heard about Jesus. And hear their proclamation. They say, Hosanna to the Son of David. They are proclaiming that he is the King of Israel. They're saying that. They're, they're going out to meet Him with palm branches. They're receiving Him as if He was a victorious King. And He is. He's working toward the victory. You see, He comes in to Jerusalem as if the battle has already been fought and won. And the, the army is returning home. And whenever they return home victorious, there's a great celebration. You see, Jesus was, was beginning His fight. He had, been, he had been living all of His life to, to worship and serve God only, to be obedient to God. And as He was coming into His last week on this earth, you see, He came in triumphantly. When He entered into Jerusalem, there wasn't a soul that didn't know what was going on. Everybody heard it. All of, all of those that had heard about Jesus were expecting Him to come in. And all of those who hated Jesus dreaded Him coming in. But His entry to Jerusalem was not ignored. He was exalted. He was proclaimed to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You go back into the Old Testament for this uh, reference Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's in Psalm 119, verse 26. And I'm going to turn over there real, real quick. 118, I'm sorry. Psalm 118, verse 26. And this is what it says, the next few verses. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord. And He has given us light. Jesus being the light of the world. Bind the sacrifices with cords... Uh, to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. This, this messianic psalm that was spoken over Jesus and praised, uh, spoken out loud while Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, proclaimed that He was the Messiah, the Anointed One, the One who had been prophesied that would come to deliver Jerusalem and all the Jews. And they proclaimed that He was the Messiah. 
with the palm branches, with this hymn, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then it says, Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. You see what happened there? Jesus is fulfilling prophecy. You know, he didn't, he, it was spoken of ahead of time that he would, it would, he would enter in Jerusalem this way. He was fulfilling the prophecy, showing them that yes, their proclamation that he was the king, the Messiah, was exactly true, accurate, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He received their worship. And in one a parallel passage of Scripture, the, the uh, Pharisees, all those religious, religious leaders were saying, hey, don't you hear what they're saying? They're saying that you're God. You've got to quieten them down. You can't let them do that. And he says, oh, yeah. He said, if they're quiet, then the rocks are going to cry out. You see, Jesus says, this is the time of the Lord. The Messiah has come. The King has come to Jerusalem. When He entered in Jerusalem, it was not unnoticed. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about Him and that they had, been done, that they had done these things to Him. And therefore, look at verse 17, Therefore the people who were with Him, when they called Lazarus out of His tomb, or when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, they bore witness. They were telling everybody, yes, I saw Jesus call him, Lazarus, out of the tomb. I know Lazarus was dead four days and Jesus raised him back to life. You know, the Scripture tells us that we, we know the sign of the times. If we would look, if we would just recognize what's going on, we can read the signs of the times. These people right here, they saw the signs of the time. They saw what Jesus was doing. They heard His preaching and teaching. They saw Him deliver, give life back to a dead man. And they bore witness. They says, you know what? King of kings. Lord of Lords, Life Giver, Redeemer, Messiah, God on a donkey's coat. And then, it says, For this reason the people also met Him because they heard that He had done this sign. Because they had seen it. They had heard about it. They realized who Jesus was and what He what He intended for them. What was the purpose? Because they knew the Old Testament Scriptures. They knew the Messiah was supposed to come and redeem Israel. And they recognized this sign. Now looking at verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after Him. Even they saw the sign of the times. They were like, we can't stop this guy. And you know why? Because He's God. Because He is the one who was foretold. He is the righteous one that was meant to come and deliver Israel. And when He entered into Jerusalem, even they recognized 
that it was the end for them. But even then, they didn't recognize or they didn't know God's plan. They refused to see it. Because it's in the Old Testament Scriptures that the, the suffering servant in Isaiah 53, that Jesus would come, live his life, and then die for the sins of the people. It was there. But it's not what they wanted. But when he entered into to Jerusalem, he did so triumphantly. Listen to what he said in verse 23. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. You see what he says there? Triumph is at hand. It's almost time for me to come and do, or for me to do what I came to do. So, at this point, Jesus begins explaining glory. First, we looked at His entry into Jerusalem. Now we're going to look at His explanation of glory. First of all, the glory that Jesus received. His glory was about being obedient to the Father. You see, He came to serve mankind to bring us out of our sins, to save us from our sins. Every step of the way, He was obedient to God Almighty. And that, for Him, was glory. The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. How was He going to be glorified? He was going to be arrested. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be stripped down put a crown of thorns on his head, it beaten down on his head. He's going to be spat upon, he's going to be humiliated, and at the end of it all, he's going to be nailed to a cross, and he's going to die. Does that sound like glory? Humanly speaking, no. It, it sounds like shame. He took our shame upon himself so that he would be obedient to Almighty God in that God led him, directed him, to sacrifice Himself for you, for me. You see, that was His glory. That was His purpose. That's why He came. He didn't come just to heal a few people and to bring Lazarus back to life. He didn't come just to walk on water and steal the storm. He came to redeem you. To pay the price for you. That was glory for Him because He was being obedient to Almighty God every step of the way. His glory was being obedient to God. Listen to what He said. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Two things that Jesus is talking about right here. The first, he's talking about his death. He's saying, you know, the, the grain of wheat must fall to the ground and die before it can produce. Before that, it's just a grain of wheat. He's signifying that he's going to die so that many can come into the kingdom of God. But he's also talking about this for us. Him dying would be glory for him. And now he starts talking about what our glory is. He's telling us that we've got to die also. Now, 
not a physical death. Understand that. But a spiritual death. This, he says, you give yourself to Almighty God, you fall down and die, allowing God to use you, and through you, He can multiply the harvest. He says, God can't use a full vessel. He can't pour into a full vessel what He wants to pour into a full vessel. He's first got to empty it out. And then He can put back in it what He desires. So you see, Jesus is saying, you've got to empty yourself out. He first said the thing for Him, the glory for Him would be obedience to the Father. And then He goes on and says this, He who loves His life will lose it, and he who hates His life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He says, if you want to be all that you can be, like the world says, if you want to grab all the gusto that you can, you're holding on to your life, and what you are doing, in, in essence, is you're killing yourself. You're denying yourself true life. But then on the other hand, he says, if you give your life to me, he says, not only will you see life, but you'll see it more abundantly. You'll see the real purpose of your life. You'll see a, the real goal. And you will be glorified in Him. That is our glory. Our glory is giving ourselves to Him and allowing Him to use us in whatever way He desires for His honor, for His purpose, for His glory. Because the servant does not receive a reward. Let me rephrase that. The slave does not receive a reward unless he is obedient to the master. You know, there's a lot of folks who claim to be Christians who are not slaves of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of folks who will say, yeah, I, I love Jesus, I, 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 I worship Jesus, I praise Him, I want, I'm a Christian. But there's nothing about their life that tells you that they're submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, they don't have His glory. Because a slave that is disobedient to the master does not receive a reward. Our glory, just like Jesus's, comes from our obedience to Him. Look what He says in verse 26. If anyone serves Me, let him follow Me. See, we get it wrong too many times. Here's the thing that's been preached over and over throughout our country. You say a prayer. You accept Jesus into your heart. And everything's okay. All you have to do is pray the prayer, go through the baptismal pools, and everything's good. Listen, Jesus doesn't call us to make a one-time profession and get wet one time. What He calls us to is a life of serving Him, following Him. He followed God all His life. Always obedient to Almighty God, even to the cross that cost Him His life and that bought everlasting life for us. Obedient every step. What does He desire for us, of us, 
obedience with every step. He says we must follow Him. If we expect to receive a reward, every slave understands that if you're not obedient to the Master, you won't receive a reward. And yet somehow we get the idea that Jesus owes us something so we can do whatever we want to do and still be called a Christian. It's wrong. Those who don't follow Christ, who don't follow His teachings and call themselves Christians are false converts, are not Christians, are not a part of the kingdom of God. When a person gives their life to Christ and serves Christ, follows Christ, then the evidence of them being a Christian is that they follow Christ. Not that they say, oh yeah, I've been baptized. Oh yeah, I'm a member of a church. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. The evidence of salvation is that you follow Christ. And Jesus says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And here's the reward. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my Father, will honor. That's our glory. We work too hard for man's glory, and we forget about the glory of God. Because we want to please everybody here, and we're not worried about pleasing God because we'll only have to answer Him later on. But when we stand before God, will He honor us? An unfaithful servant will not receive honor. An unfaithful servant will receive punishment. Now, Jesus' glory was being obedient to the Father. Our glory is being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, being obedient to the Father. And God's glory, God is glorified through our obedience. Jesus said, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Which is a rhetorical question. He's not asking God to save him for for that because he he says the the next statement, but for this purpose I came to this hour. God's glory, God is glorified through our obedience. So Jesus explains this glory. His glory was obeying God. Our glory is obeying Him, obeying God. And God's glory comes when we glorify Him through our obedience. Let me stop right here and just ask you, are you? Is God pleased with your life? Is God pleased with you? If something happened right now to you and you were standing before Almighty God, would God say you served well?
Let me tell you what I read this week. I discussed it with a few back there this morning while we were talking. There's this man named David um, Crosby. David Crosby. He, he formed the, the singing group Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You might have heard of him. He passed away. But a few days before he passed away, the tweet, he tweeted this. Now, I don't know what a tweet is. All right? I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I don't tweet. But he tweeted this out. Heaven is overrated. A couple days before he passed away. I wonder what he would say now. Listen, folks. You see, Jesus came to the hour of His sacrifice so that we could receive the glory of Almighty God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we receive the glory, we're obedient to glorify God. And then Jesus, the last part of this, Jesus comes to the part about expressing judgment. His expression of judgment. Look at verse 28. Father, glorify your name. He's talking about glorification. He says, I I receive glory when I'm obedient to God. And then he says, you will receive glory when you're obedient to me while I'm being obedient to God. And God will receive glory through your obedience. And then he turns and he says to God, glorify your name. Be glorified, God. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. There were those that heard it. Somebody says, well, it has thundered. And then there were others says, well, an angel has spoken to him. And then Jesus explained it, and he said this, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. God wanted you to hear his voice. He says, God's not speaking to me in that. He wanted you to hear it. He wanted you to understand and know that He's my Father. He sent me and that everything that I have done is for you. A lot of times we, we will be guilty of saying this. You know, I just wish I could hear from God. You know, there's so many times that God speaks to us and we don't listen. We know it's His voice and yet we still turn from it. Oh, it just thundered. Oh, somebody else spoke that. No, we, we know that it was God speaking to us and God desiring to, for us to glorify Him through our life. And we will say, no, not today, God. I'm going to keep living my life the way that I want to live it and I'm not going to give you glory. I'm going to be a disobedient creator, creation to the Creator. So, the voice of God came. And spoke, and Jesus says, He didn't come because of me, but for your sake. And now Jesus says this now is the judgment of this world. How did Jesus divide the world? He came and proclaimed that He was the Son of God. He came and died for all those who would believe in Him and accept His eternal life. So there's only two types of people. Those who believe and are saved and are a part of the kingdom of God. And those who do not believe that are unsaved and are not a part of the kingdom of God, therefore, 
a kingdom of hell, a part of the kingdom of hell. So Jesus caused a division. He drew a line and said, this is it. This world is going to be judged by this. Obedience. Jesus was obedient to God. We're obedient to Jesus. God is glorified through our obedience. And Jesus says, here's the line. If you're obedient, you're a part of the kingdom of God. Disobedient, not. It's, it's really clear. It's really plain. It's not complicated. It's not brain surgery. It's not rocket science. It is a clear division. Jesus says, you are or you ain't. You are obedient through accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, to, through following Him, through being uh, uh, obedient to His Word and His way, or you're not. Those who are, are a part of His kingdom, headed for heaven. Praise God. For those who aren't, there's still an opportunity for you to become a child of God. And you will receive that today during our invitation time. But He... He drew the line and says, the judgment is here. And he also said this, the ruler of this world will be cast out. So here's another distinction that's made. Jesus says, if you're following the world, if you're seeking, uh, if you're running from God, if you're hiding from God, if you're disobeying and rebelling against God, then guess what? You're on the losing team. Not only are you on the losing team, but you're on the team that will be destroyed and punished eternally. It's not like you lose the game and you just pack up your stuff and go home. No, that's not the deal. If you lose this game, if you lose in this life, the Scripture says you will be cast out. Now listen to the words of Jesus. You will be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth where the worm never dies and the flame is never quenched where there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth what's he describing he's describing hell the lake of fire that burns with fire and brimstone now so many people don't believe that there is judgment just like david crosby heaven's overrated what did he know about heaven Apparently nothing. But what he believed about heaven is false. He had been deceived. And you know what? If, unless he was saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, unless he bowed to the knee to the Lord before his demise, judgment has now come upon him. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, lays out very clear for us that He's the King. When He came to Jerusalem, He came into Jerusalem triumphantly. As the warrior king who had fought for your souls and won the battle, He talked about glorifying God, what it takes to glorify God. And He says, if you refuse that, judgment will come. So now this morning, the line in the sand has been drawn. 
Jesus says, if you serve me, you will follow me. If you love me, you will do what I say. You will follow my commands. And he said, if you love me and, and if you serve me, where I am there you will be also. If anyone serves me, my Father will honor him. But if not, judgment. In just a moment, we're going to have a, a hymn of invitation. And in that invitation is going to be simply this idea. Have you honored God with your life? Are you glorifying God with the way that you live? Are you a part of the kingdom of God? Because if not, you stand on the threshold of judgment. Now, how do you end that? How do you stop that? You become a part of the, the kingdom of God by accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, recognizing that you're a sinner and that you, you need forgiveness of sins and that Jesus is the only one that can do that. You come to Him and say, Jesus, please, I need it. And I give my life to you. Not just come into my heart. I give myself to you. In that is salvation. In that, God is glorified. And in that, when He's glorified, He will glorify you. Let's pray together, please. Our God and King, we do bow before you because you need to receive the honor. You are only the, one, the only one worthy of honor and glory. And we are in awe of you, what you do, what, how you take sinful people like ourselves and allow us to be a part of your kingdom through the washing of the blood of Christ, through the sacrifice that he made for us. He paid the price so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Father, this morning I ask for your will to be done. I pray for those that need to be saved for them to step forward and say, I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. I give my life to Jesus. Lord, I ask for that today. I pray that your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.